0: you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger
1: for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks
0: Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a St. Patrick's Day edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I didn't know I was going to do that until we went live. And then you know what? Forget, uh, I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, the two most Irish names you will ever hear in a row. And we're going to be talking about the New York Yankees uh, signing another good Irish boy, Anthony Rizzo. Just kidding. I I know these people aren't Irish, folks. I'm not, I'm not a dumb guy. Uh, the Yankees made their bed. And they lied in it. They are the Dua Lipa of Major League Baseball. They keep saying, we're good. They just keep saying, we're good. And they signed Anthony Rizzo and let Freddie Freeman go in a different direction, which became official late, late, late Wednesday night, because why would a Major League Baseball move happen before midnight or 1145 or something in that general range? That's just that's just what happens now. Um, so we got late night baseball transactions, and none of them are really positive in the Yankees direction, either it's a major shakeup, Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela, are gone, or it's Anthony Rizzo, uh, you know, putting the breadcrumbs down for Freddie Freeman to go elsewhere. We're going to be talking about all of this and more, as well as uh, uh, the, uh, the elephant-sized vaccine question in the room. And, of course, the Yankees' best player in a contract year who just doesn't want to talk about it, and maybe doesn't want to trust the science. We're going to be talking about all of that. Welcome. That's not even a word. It's been a long day. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag queue. We'll be more than happy to answer. Welcome to all of the new listeners finding us on YouTube today for the first time or Twitter. We are live streaming every Monday and Thursday, all off season long and the regular season is approaching. So we're going to have to adjust that schedule a little bit. Maybe, maybe some breaking news, maybe some big old games. Maybe you want live recap shows. We will do any and all of those things for you. But for the time being, we are live at 2 o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Are so the Yankees finished making their roster? I, I still have hope that we're not done. We can't be done. But uh, we've gone a significant step towards being done after signing Anthony Rizzo.
2: Yeah, I,
0: I I wish we could do a live podcast at some point. But they're
2: signing people and making trades at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. They're operating like a West Coast team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get it. I don't know why everything kind of has to appear to be complicated. Um, why did why, why, how did a two-year, thirty-two million dollar contract for Anthony Rizzo come to come come to a head at 11 p.m. on a Tuesday night? You'll I, I have no idea. Um, I also don't know. I, the Anthony Rizzo is a tough subject. You know, you know this. We all know this. The plan C, based on all the other options that we had talked about. Um, throughout the offseason, even last year when there were rumblings that Freddie Freeman didn't sign yet. But once again, everybody assured us he'd be back with the Braves. Once again, the insiders assured us he'd be back with the Braves. He is not back with the Braves. Um, Matt Olsen, seemingly a gettable target based on the the amount of prospects and the amount of depth the Yankees have passed on that. Um, and Rizzo, I, I think this is just problematic for a couple reasons. Look, once again, the Yankees don't need the best player at every position, say it every episode. Rizzo diversifies the lineup lefty bat, but you had the opportunity to get Freeman. We'll get into what the Dodgers signed him for. Wasn't that much money. Um, which makes me kind of think that he didn't want to come here, which is what John Heyman said a couple of times. Um, there mm-hmm. was reportedly a bigger offer out there for Freeman and he rejected it to go to the Dodgers. Um, but the whole Luke Voit thing still bothers me because Luke Voigt already went through this last year. You trade for Anthony Rizzo at the deadline right when Luke Voigt gets healthy. Anthony Rizzo goes on the shelf with COVID. Luke Voigt wins AL player of the week. Anthony Rizzo comes back, Luke Voigt goes back to the bench, doesn't play at all, gets infrequent pinch hit at bats, doesn't really matter for the rest of the season. And now you have Luke Voigt at spring training. Second time they did this. Gio Rochelle was a starting shortstop on Sunday. On Sunday morning, he's traded Sunday night. Luke Voigt is the starting first baseman on Monday afternoon. Anthony Rizzo is signed Tuesday night. So why are you doing this to this guy again? We already created some sort of issue with Josh Donaldson coming to town and Garrett Cole. Felt like something that could be very avoidable. We're Team Donaldson now. We got no choice. This is our squad. Mm -hmm. Donaldson's a good baseball player. Like him on my team. Very weird how the Yankees decided to spend money, though. Now you bring Rizzo back. You couldn't have traded Luke Voigt before doing this. There, there really is no market for Luke Voigt, a $5 million first baseman who can hit 30-plus home runs and, and and be a force in the middle of your lineup. There is no market for that. What is going on? I don't understand why these moves also have to come with a caveat with, oh, but there's this problem. Oh, but there's this like storyline we have to talk about at spring training. Or, oh, now Luke Voigt has to address the media and talk about the Anthony Rizzo signing knowing that his future is either as a backup or not here. So these are the things that get me mad because the Yankees typically try to be those guys where they're like, we're not going to rock the boat. We're going to keep our coaching staff intact for the entire year, even though it's an obvious problem, or we're going to stand pat at the trade deadline because we don't want to shake up the roster. And then they do a couple of moves that are just like, you've been doing the same thing. You've been on the level playing field for the entire time. And now you're doing, these out-of-character moves that don't really move the needle that much. They certainly move the needle. The Yankees are better than they were yesterday, and I think this is way more of a playoff team than than uh, than you know last week's version. But everything still kind of puzzles me. I'm not entirely sold on everything. I don't feel great about everything. I'm just like, okay, sure, fine, I, th- I think this will do. And I don't like feeling like that, especially on St. Patrick's Day. I want to feel good. Have some car bombs, dude. Get loose.
0: The Luke Voight, yeah, the, the Luke Voigt comments are so uncomfortable. So uh, th- this is the best place to play baseball. Who knows? Maybe I'll still be here, but I have no idea. I mean, if it were up to me, I, I we're just repeating episodes from last August. If it were up to me, they'd keep Luke Voigt because I don't need the Brewers' 28th best prospect, and I don't need... Like, somebody kicking in $1 million and the Yankees eating $4 million to get Luke Boyd off the roster, especially if there's a vaccine question with Anthony Rizzo, and there's a chance that City Hall just doesn't relent on this, and the Yankees are missing 70, 80 home games that they would have had Anthony Rizzo for. So, there's no shame in having a backup first baseman who's often injured and and who is not necessarily reliable as a starter, but puts up hits whenever he's healthy and available. Availability is Luke Boyd's worst trait and has been for several years now but when he's available all he does is hit he doesn't field as well as he hits but all he does is hit so I'm still on board with keeping him although it does feel like last summer they left the door open and then never used him this year the door is basically closed his future is not here he is as good as gone where I don't know and so I'm just gonna have to gird for getting like again the, uh, a 19 year old lottery ticket from the back of the Brewers top 30 and I'm just gonna have to be like yeah that's better than Luke Voigt. And then Anthony Rizzo gets hurt or Anthony Rizzo doesn't get vaccinated and he can't play. And then I'm like, uh, my first baseman is DJ LeMahieu now. Like, this is just what I'm going to have to deal with. It's so obviously not the correct thing to do. You want as much offense as you can for a team that didn't have nearly enough offense last year with Anthony Rizzo in place. And yet Luke Voigt will get traded, and Luke Voigt knows it. And everybody talking to Luke Voigt at spring training is making things more and more uncomfortable. And Luke Voigt taking grounders on his knees at first base next to Anthony Rizzo is is an uncomfortable sight for everybody and nobody should be putting him through that or and nobody should be going through that. Now I do want to dispel for a moment the the fact that, you know, just because Anthony Rizzo is plan C doesn't mean he's not good. Yes. He also gives the Yankees a lot of financial flexibility. They have him for two years and they have an opt out after the first year. So we really did not have to lock in Anthony Rizzo. I think a lot of the people nervous about it were like four years for Anthony Rizzo. We're going to have to pay $70 million for Anthony Rizzo. No, you're not. Also, one of my biggest pet peeves, Is somebody I saw somebody compare Anthony Rizzo to Doug Mentkevich. That's insane. Doug Mentkevich never topped. Anthony Rizzo last year put up 112 OPS plus, which was one of the worst full season totals of his career. Doug Mankavich only got there once. So that's not Doug Mankavich as a player. Um, Anthony Rizzo, even at his worst, is better than Doug Mankiewicz. And he's 32. He's not 37. So, and he had COVID last year. And the year before, when you were worried about him, he was a gold glover and he played like 60 games. That was not a real season. He had plenty of opportunities to boost his numbers. Will Anthony Rizzo be the 135 OPS plus of old? Will he be a 140 OPS plus with a gold glove? I don't know. But my second pet peeve is seeing people saying, this is what Rizzo is. He's like a 110 guy. Why is that what Rizzo is? That's one season of what Rizzo was. That's what Rizzo was in 2021. It's the most recent data you have. But look at most baseball players' careers. How many of them are completely linear? How many of them are what they are at 24 their entire career? How many of them are their worst season for the rest of their career? If you're honestly telling me Anthony Rizzo can't regain... 10 to 15 more points on that OPS plus a full season at Yankee Stadium again pending vaccination requirements but if you're telling me he can't get back up to a certain level you're just the the most 2022 Twitter thing to do is be like Anthony Rizzo is exactly what his 2021 stats were why would that be the case it's what you want and it's what Thomas and I to an extent were trying to rationalize the Matt Chapman deal by being like that guy sucks he was bad in 2021 (laughs) I hope he sucks but just saying a guy is what they were last year without factoring in any of the circumstances or without just factoring in the natural path that most careers take is such a wildly, you know, misinformed statement to make. And it's one that far too many people do make. Yeah. I, I don't, the recency bias around these things
2: is very frustrating because it's, it's always what I talk about with free agency and the trade deadline in general. It's like your body of work throughout your career, is essentially thrown out the window. It's like, Oh, what'd you do last year? Oh, well, you know, you were in a contract year and you didn't play the way that you played the last four years. So yeah, that's going to take a hundred million dollars off of what you were expecting or Hey, you suck for five years. And now you had a really good half season. That'll cost you two top five prospects at the trade deadline. Um, I don't like this way of thinking. Um, It's not consistent with how we should be evaluating players. And Anthony Rizzo's body of work is very impressive. Um, He's got four gold gloves. Uh, He's a three-time All-Star. He's played in 141 games or more um, every single year of his career except for 2011, which was his rookie season in 2012, which was when he went to the Cubs after he was traded from the Padres. Um, So the man is durable. Um, The man is consistent. OPS Plus is over, I think, like at least 110 every single year except one. And I'm not counting – again, I'm not counting the short in 2020 because it's not a real year – And you shouldn't be evaluating players off sixty game sample sizes anyway. Um, But yeah, I like Anthony Rizzo. I think that this is going to improve the Yankees. I think it's a smart move, um, especially because of the durability aspect, because the Yankees have had that problem for so long now. Um, And I just, you know, and but I also disagree with people who are like, "Oh yeah, Rizzo, Rizzo over Freeman? Yeah, totally, dude." It's like, no, I mean, you'd rather have Freddie Freeman. I'm fine. Well, again. Fine with Josh Donaldson. Glad he's here. Happy that that's going to be a guy I'm rooting for. Anthony Rizzo here. Happy to root for him too. But you know, don't go. Don't go full delusion in either direction. Where it's like this was a dog shit signing, or uh, the 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 other three options that were clearly better are not better than this guy. Um, there's a lot of rationalizing to do and a lot of um, a lot of coming to terms here. But just stop uh, because it's fucking annoying. Um, I'm just glad we get to maybe maybe. Oh no, we. Well, we have A. Rod on the uh, the ESPN two cast, right?
0: Yeah, the A. Rod Manning. Rizzo! Cast with, uh, I want to hear that again. Yeah. Rizzo. <laughs> um, I mean, Anthony Rizzo had some big old hits last yeah. year. Yeah, very short amount of time with the Yankees. Wild had a card huge game. homer in Toronto. Yeah, wild card game hit a homer. Is the only guy who showed up. Uh, hit a bomb in Toronto in that game where they chased Robbie Ray and basically knocked the Blue Jays out of the playoffs for all intents and purposes uh big second half for the i mean big ish second half for the yankees got covid was bad when he came back was good in late september and early august so really hard to judge again though just because we're saying that you know we are we are all talking in circles here nothing wrong with signing anthony rizzo no absolutely i'm excited to root for him in a vacuum freddie freeman was also available freddie freeman is better than anthony rizzo the yankees are better now than they were when last season ended the Yankees could have been way better now than they were when last season ended, and it's fair to say that across the board, that's our problem. Again, it's the it's the Hal Steinbrenner cheap thing. It's like how can you call him cheap? He's payroll is two hundred fifty five million dollars. He's not cheap. He's just not going as hard as he could be. The Yankees could have Manny Machado on the roster. They could have Bryce Harper on the roster. They could have Freddie Freeman on the roster. They could have Carlos Correa on the roster. They could have Corey Seager on the roster. Now. This is a two-way street. I don't know which of these players wanted to be Yankees and which didn't. Looked like Mandy Machado wanted to be one. Looked like Bryce Harper wanted to be one. Think Corey Seager probably would have been an easy get considering he took Texas' money and did not have a clear home in his heart. It's not like Corey Seager was like, I'm going to my hometown Charlotte Knights. Like there was no North Carolina team to sign Corey Seager. Freeman, I think, is different. Yeah. I think. My inclination, and take this for what you will, Aaron Boone at the beginning of the offseason said, There's one guy we want, but they were like, Is there one free agent you want above everybody else? And he was like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a guy. I think that guy was Freddie Freeman. I think he was their number one priority. I think that's why they were in every rumor and why when free agency opened, people said, Are the Yankees going to make a big push? Buster only saying, Free agency about to start. My lingering question are the Yankees about to make sure they can quarter the Freddie Freeman market? I think they wanted to, but we'll never hear their offer because I think Freddie Freeman's camp was basically just like, do not give it to us. What we've heard so far, the Dodgers got him for six years and $162 million. It tops Matt Olson's AAV, eight years, 168 for Matt Olson. Good deal. Market didn't crater. Decent amount of money for Freddie Freeman. Could the Yankees have afforded more? Absolutely. But where did the bidding net out? It was the Dodgers. It was the Tampa Bay Rays, apparently. It was the Red Sox checking in. We'll never know what their actual interest level or offer was. They're the check-in kings. They always will be. They always have been. they got to sign Trevor Story or Carlos Correa now, or else their offseason looks bad. Really, bad. Uh, really, really, really bad. Michael Waka and Rich Hill both in the rotation now. Chris Sale out because he has no vaccine, and he has a, a crazy fracture uh, from Carlos Correa's masseuse, breaking his ribs. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Their offseason looks terrible unless they sign Correa or Story. But again, they're the check-in kings. They finished third. We, all we heard was that the Yankees were, were way in on Freeman and chasing him, but now suddenly they're not even in the top three and we're never going to find out their offer. Why? Because I think Freddie Freeman just said no. I think Yankee fans need to get it through their heads. There is consent in these negotiations. I don't get it. Why can't the Yankees sign everyone? I think that's a conversation for the Correa and the Seager and the Manny Machado and the Harpers of the world. I don't think that's necessarily a conversation for Freeman based on what we saw this week and how things played out. If you disagree, I'm open to it, but I think it's pretty obvious that this wasn't the Yankees opting for Rizzo over Freeman. There were some disturbing conversations also where it sort of seemed like the Yankees were afraid the Red Sox were going to get Freeman. And then it was like, great, is that just an irrelevant detail? Did they back out because they're worried the Red Sox are going to get Freeman? Because if fucking so, spend more fucking money for Freddie Freeman. It seems now that might have been an unfounded accusation. They were just not really in the conversation. And were were just worried. It had nothing to do with their offer. They just were worried that the Red Sox were going to get him. And then they didn't because they're the check-in kings. And I'm glad they didn't open up i mean how do you feel about this Cl- clearly this is an upgrade over anthony rizzo i don't want to like i, I don't want to end this conversation saying like the yankees made the best choice for themselves getting anthony rizzo i mean M- matt olson's better than anthony rizzo too they probably could have pulled off that trade yeah. and that right. extension but the lingering you know stench of the freeman chase is just that they weren't in even though they tried to be in
2: yeah, it's it's especially bizarre for the Yankees because they are usually a little bit later to the game in free agents. They're not showing their hand the entire time because they know that the longer they're in some sort of sweepstakes for a player, the higher the price is going to go up. The agents know if they have if you know if they have a team like the Dodgers and the if they have teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees both involved, it's going to be some sort of bidding war and they're going to get as much money as possible. So when you realize that the freddie freeman rumors for the yankees dated back to november um maybe look maybe it was a ploy to drive up maybe they thought the red Sox might be in here and they inserted themselves early on into the into the um sweepstakes to drive the price up to get the red Sox out um maybe they heard that the rays might be interested and they did the same thing there i don't know to me it seems like they did really want to do this um and uh Free, I think you're right. I think that there was just no interest from Freeman, um, and I think that that's kind of, I think that's kind of the trend that we're looking to in New York sports, especially with the Yankees. Because you look at guys like CC Sabathia and Garrett Cole, they didn't want to come here. They had no, they had no real interest to come here. They, they had other ideas, and then the Yankees came in and blew them away with offers. And then they said, "Well, how is Garrett Cole going to turn down 80 more million dollars in the next highest starting pitcher? He's simply not." You're not going to do that. It's bad business. It's bad for the Players Association. It's bad for everything. CC Sabathia openly talked about it on the R2C2 podcast. Wasn't even really interested. And then they throw what? What was it, $190 million at him? 12 13 years ago? Shitload of money. You're just going to take it and you're going to deal with the expectations. But nowadays, the Yankees aren't entirely doing that with every free agent. They aren't blowing people out of the water. They're not giving people the offer that they can't refuse. And I don't look. If I was an athlete, would I want to play in New York? Uh, maybe, but probably not. If I'm, if I have to deal with everything that comes with it—the expectations, the ruthless fans, the ruthless media—you um, know, the the high taxes. Whether you th- think that's a dumb argument or not, you look at Freddie Freeman's deal, dude. He signed with the Dodgers for that extra year. The Braves reportedly offer him five for one forty. He signed mm-hmm. for six one sixty two with the Dodgers, which is a higher AAV. Uh, actually a lower AV the Braves AV was $1 million higher but the Mm -hmm. California income state income tax takes away that extra one year and 22 million dollars over the life of the contract so he essentially it was a it was like at the end of the day it was an eight million dollar difference between the Braves and the Dodgers in terms of actual earning power um he clearly went to the Dodgers I think because of um the home connection it's where he's from team is better um it's a little bit more lax out there. It's not as it's not as crazy and and fast paced and and grueling as it is in New York. Um, And I think that athletes have the right to, and and are reasonable for not wanting to play here. It's, it's, it's very demanding. Um, Look at John Carlos Stanton, very good two years with the Yankees. The other two, he was injured, really nothing he could do about it. Maligned guy, you know, people give him a lot Mm -hmm. of shit. Fans despise him. it's turning, it's slowly turning into a Gary Sanchez situation where it's like you either blindly defend John Carlos Stanton or you absolutely think he's one of the worst acquisitions in team history. Um, I was on the, before he started performing in the second half of the season, I was on that side. They traded for this mammoth contract. He had one good year in 2018 injured, injured OPSing 790 for the first half of the season. Then he blows the doors off. So the advantage of playing in New York is you can change the narrative that quickly. If you're that good. Um, but Freddie Freeman doesn't seem like he would thrive in that type of situation. He's a very laid back dude. Um, uh, and it, it just, it just seems like it might've been maybe a little bit too overwhelming for him. Um, I would just like an answer from the Yankees front office. I want, I would love somebody to come out and just be like, Hey, uh, he wasn't interested. So like, I would always love that. That's like, that's all I want. Cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, spewing conjecture about what may or may not have happened because again, we're not going to know one source, John Heyman, suggesting that these happen, which is great. Yankees could have used John Heyman as a mouthpiece to be like, Hey, let the world know that he didn't want to come here. So everybody can know that we tried. And then we settled on Rizzo for essentially one year and $16 million saved, you know, saved $140 million in the process and didn't have to worry about, you know, the the long-term payroll implications. So um, yes, the Yankees, could have and should have done this deal if it was possible. To me, if the, and but that's the thing, if this is where they're drawing the line, then it then something needs to be done. If they're saying six years and 162 is too much for Freddie Freeman to really give your team that extra bump, then we're talking about a legitimate problem with this team.
0: Yeah, there's no need to do the leverage machine anymore, no. right? I don't need to read the John Heyman tweets. I don't need to read about how the Red Sox and Padres were in because obviously the Freeman camp was scrambling a little bit once the Yankees were out-out. Yeah. When the Yankees jumped in and did Rizzo, they were like, uh, so we lost one of the three teams we keep saying is involved in the Freddie Freeman case. What do we do now? <laughs> like, that's obvious. Um, but again, until somebody – I would love for somebody to come out and say, just he did not want to be here. It would be very helpful to hear that from an authority figure – until I hear something like that, though, I'm going to keep saying that the, the Freeman deal isn't the one you should be mad about. Letting Jock Peterson go to the San Francisco Giants f- for $6 million, that's the one you should be mad about because yes. that's the incremental upgrade that's just so obvious. And instead, the Yankees have a locker reserved for Brett Gardner. And, and that came out this morning, that there's still a locker in the corner of the locker room that apparently, if, if you read the article from Brandon Cuddy, always goes to... A veteran outfielder, quote unquote, like Bernie Williams had it for a while. Ichiro had it, and that's adorable, and that's great. And the Yankees don't really have that guy on the roster right now. And they're not going to give Aaron Hicks the veteran outfielder locker. But come on, just we've said this all offseason long. Reserving a locker for Brett Gardner is the definition of not having a plan. Yeah. If you say you're going to improve, no, no skin to like, I'm not angry at Brett Gardner. But if you say you have a plan to improve the roster, but you've also just reserved a locker for Brett Gardner until he decides to wander into camp, then that shows that your plan was just, okay, pencil in Brett Gardner. We're not improving that area of the roster. We have no intention of doing that. Jock Peterson's better. He's a more valuable player. If you want to sign Brett Gardner, make him your 26th man on the roster, that's fine. Also sign Jock Peterson. Brett Gardner can't be your first line of defense. He can't just waltz into camp whenever he wants to. And it seems like he is both of those things at this moment. Yeah. I mean, again, not,
2: not bad, not mad at Brett Gardner at all. It's just the way the Yankees outfield situation kind of shaked out. He is, should be the odd man out. Aaron Hicks, not really reliable, but untradable contract. John Carlos Stanton, lower body muscle issues can only play X amount in the outfield. So um, and you look at Brett Gardner outside of his 2019 career year, like all the other, you know, 2018, not good. Short in 2020, not good. Not going to judge him on that, but also like 2021 was not really good. So there needs to be some greater plan here for the depth. And $6 million for Jock Peterson seems reasonable. Fourth outfielder, Ken DH, lefty at bats, very clutch, could pinch hit. Uh, seemingly checked a lot of the boxes that would have solved a number of problems for the Yankees and I that's that's the one that's the one where you're like why is this and because you look at the situation too he went to San Francisco it's not like he went to a low-tax state or he went to a place where you know he didn't go to a contender or he went to a place where you know the the media is a little bit more laid back no it's San Francisco like it's all it's all law it's a New York West essentially Um, so I know it's his home too he's from Palo Alto or whatever. Um, but you know, get in there, give him an extra two million. Seems reasonable for a fourth outfielder who can play the corner spots and and be okay. Um, and be a lethal bat in the postseason. I don't know, I don't know. But the division's also making moves. I just added this in while we were chatting because uh yeah, let's why, talk why would it. we not talk about this?
1: Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
2: Yankees have upgraded. Admirable. Fine. I'm um, glad they're doing something. It took a while. Uh, the frustrations boiled over. Now we have a roster. Uh, but rivals are getting good, too. Um, and the Blue Jays are the ones who are really firing on all cylinders. Um, they, uh, they signed Kevin Gossman before the lockout. Um, they brought in Yusei Kikuchi to deepen the rotation, which I think is mm-hmm. not anything groundbreaking, but very smart to give yourself innings and give yourself veteran um, uh, veteran presence in the starting rotation, which the Yankees don't really have for the most part. Um, and now they trade for Matt Chapman. Um, do I think that this is anything the Yankees should be worried about? Um, eh, somewhat. I, I don't think it's as... as like, like you, like we were saying yesterday, not on the podcast. If the Yankees had traded for Matt Chapman, what would the magnifying, you know, sentiment be? Because you you mm-hmm. can eloquently say it better than I can.
0: Well, I keep talking about this just because. So the Blue Jays are the favorites to win the American League East right now, and right and rightfully yeah. so. The Ray, the Rays are gonna win it, but the Blue Jays are the favorites <laughs> to win it. Um, uh, the Matt Chapman thing, I just. It doesn't move the – I think people – and Sweeney Murdy was – didn't credit me. Should have credited me. I was first on this. Um, I'm just kidding. But I I was first on this. Um, I I think too many people are giving the Blue Jays credit for – so last year, great roster, uh, missed the playoffs. Best case scenario seasons from Vladdy Jr., borderline MVP. Bo Bichette was incredible. Robbie Ray won the Cy Young. Marcus Simeon, almost MVP also. Uh, George Springer was hurt, but George Springer gets hurt. That's what he does. So this offseason, what happens? They lose Ray, gone. They lose Simeon, gone. They import Kikuchi. They lose Steven Matz, gone. Fine, gone. They import Kikuchi, and they import Kevin Gossman. I would say Gossman worse than Robbie Ray at his best. Maybe not forever, but last year, Robbie Ray won the Cy Young. best pitcher in the American League. Uh, Kikuchi just is what he is. If they think they can solve him, that's great. Uh, Lost Simeon. Gained Matt Chapman yesterday. Matt Chapman, a platinum glover at third. Incredible defender. Hyunjin Ryu, the majority of his grounders go to the third base area and the third base hole. Going to really help him. Absolutely going to help on defense. Again, Marcus Simeon is gone. The Jays traded two top 10 prospects and two other prospects for Matt Chapman who last year had a 100 OPS plus league average league average. What Gio Urshela did same season offensively as Gio Urshela, except he hit 200 and struck out 200 times. He struck out like Joey Gallo and had the same offensive output as Gio Urshela. And that's the Blue Jays big addition yesterday. If the Yankees had dealt two of their top 10 prospects after holding on to them for so long, for a guy who, again, is trending down. You want to tell me Anthony Rizzo is what he is last year? Then Matt Chapman is what he is last year, which was a guy who struck out 200 times with not that much power. You can't strike out 200 times if you're Matt Chapman. No, You, you gotta get that in the 170s and 160s. You can't be having a Joey Gallo season if you're Matt Chapman. I agree. Joey Gallo and Matt Chapman, roughly similar players at this point in time. So if Joey Gallo was a much maligned addition for the Yankees, the swing and miss Yankees, all they care about is hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Then why isn't Matt Chapman the exact same thing? Gold Glover who struck out 200 times last year and the bats trending downward.
2: Yeah, I um, I am not – the other, the other thing with this is what the Blue Jays are giving up. So like everyone was like, oh, man, look at all the prospects the Yankees give up for Joey Gallo. And you look at the Blue Jays' last two trades, and it's Jose Berrios, who's a good pitcher, but career four ERA, not a t- mid rotation probably as a ceiling at this point, because he's been in the league for what five years, six years. Um, mm-hmm. And Matt Chapman, who I, I don't want to define him based on his um, his 2021, um, but that's a hell of a regression after his two you know all star all star caliber seasons in 2018 and 2019, um, and then you have two very you have two escalating arbitration costs with that. I think he's getting 10 million this year and then you have to factor in a solid raise for uh, 2023 and in all throughout this entire process, the blue Jays surrendered four top 10 prospects for those deals and then plus more. So other fringe guys, I think um, they're number 13 and the number 17 were involved in the, uh, in the Chapman trade as well. Um, something like that. So You look at the Yankees situation and yeah, we do. We do. I rag on the Yankees for not truly going for it all and emptying a portion of the farm and, and keeping the guys that they truly, truly believe in. Um, They love to just continue to pile assets and keep it that way. And every trade that they make is structured to minimize risk. um, And it's frustrating sometimes, but Are the Jays, you know, the Jays are clearly going for it for the next two years. Like if they don't win, it's a failure. I know they've, they've, they've structured everything very, very shrewdly. Almost everybody signed through 2024. You have three years to do it. Okay, cool. But you have to factor in regressions there. You have to factor in injuries there. Um, The rotation is good, but it's not entirely great. Um, Meanwhile, you're losing assets on the farm that could, you know, Theoretically, be the next era of Blue Jays baseball. I don't know if they believed in them or not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not very well versed in their farm situation. Uh, in their farm system yeah. situation. But you look at the Yankees, and the Yankees are holding on to their top assets. They've made a couple of deals to. Um, you know, inherit some other team's salary in the Josh Donaldson one, didn't surrender anything of note there unless you consider Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela cornerstones for the team. Um, the Joey Gallo deal was a bunch of Rule 5 guys or mid-level guys who were outranked by other players. So look at the Blue Jays' situation, escalating payroll, diminishing farm system, need to get the job done within the next three years or else they're going to have to, you know, they're going to be climbing back in, uh, they're going to have to climb back in a significant way on all fronts because they're going to be losing players in free agency. Their uh, controllable players are going to have rising arbitration costs and then demand uh, contract extensions. And their farm system is going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to redraft and they're going to have to trade for other people if that, if that's the case. So I think the Yankees are in a better situation. I'm, I'm, I'm not being a homer here. You just look at all the factors and from top to bottom, the Yankees are in a better situation if they don't deal with, Team wide regressions that are inexplicable across the board over the next couple years, I think. I think that they're in better shape.
0: I mean, good for the Blue Jays. Good for going for it. Good for not being the Red Sox. I'm proud of you. This is your window for sure. I mean, you've got you don't have endless time, Uh, and and also a lot of people are less bullish on Bobuchet than I am, and and don't think he has that long term future at the position, and, and think there might be a little boom or bust there possible i'm terrified of him but it's possible um but him and vladdy jr that's the young core um gabriel moreno on the way up there there's a little more but there's not that much in the farm system it's, it's fairly empty this is pretty much the crew how much more does george springer have left what is matt chapman does he have a bounce back and is the rotation good enough you know next year yes next season after that probably after that you're looking at some old heads reuse old yeah. old Kikuchi's still on the team for some reason three years from now. I don't know. Time is now for the Blue Jays, and they should be the AL East favorites. But they also, in my opinion, should have been the AL East favorites last year and didn't deliver and and finished you know, fourth. So what are you going to do? At least their their ace has healthy ribs, but I don't think it's a cinch and a dundeele that the Blue Jays are going to win this division. Um, We will see. And like you said, the window is you know they should have yankees level pressure this should be a, a cinch tightening on their season they should have a short amount of time to get their stuff together because mm-hmm. there's not an endless rope here for the blue jays before we sign off let's just talk a little bit about the, the hottest new drama of 2022 uh if you loved Kyrie irving being able to sit maskless and watch a duke basketball game at the barclays center but not play you're gonna love unvaccinated road players coming to New York and being allowed to play baseball while unvaccinated home players are not. I have put my flag on the ground. I refuse to be excited or frustrated by by any development here, right? People should get vaccinated. People should absolutely get vaccinated. There is the easiest way ever to fix this issue and it's get vaccinated and it doesn't involve Randy Levine going to cry to city hall but as of now, this rule, whatever you think of it, is in place. Aaron Judge is being cagey, still didn't sound at like he was on some anti-vaccine crusade like Kyrie Irving, sounded open to addressing whatever has to be addressed when the time comes. Obviously, the time already came a long time ago, but theoretically, you know, we're not at the deadline yet for figuring it out. So I'm not thinking he's as stridently anti-vaccine as Kyrie Irving, but pretty clearly, was not vaccinated based on his answers to those questions. Yeah. According to reports, there's another Yankees also unvaccinated and Anthony Rizzo last year was also not vaccinated. It was a choice he made because of the cancer treatments he received. Can he get a medical exemption of some kind from the weird Eric Adams mandate? I don't know, but the Yankees have some people who might miss 90 games this year. because they can't play when they go to Toronto either. All this is to say, people are starting to say trade judge. I don't know, but what would you want? to carry a captain who's used during all home games for an entire year it's at least a conversation app. people were saying trade tyree irving but then b he wants an extension you want an extension are we sure this mandate's going to be gone in 2023 coronavirus exists new strains of the coronavirus continue to exist you're gonna give aaron judge 200 million dollars for refusing to be the kind of teammate who complies with a, a thing like this i don't it's all uncomfortable But you at least have to question his future in some capacity.
2: Of course. We're already questioning it because the Yankees have openly admitted they haven't engaged with him on contract extension talks. He's now mentioned multiple times he wants to be a Yankee for life. Um, He also mentioned that he's not willing to negotiate an extension during the season. Um, And now you have the vaccine layer of it. Um, Look, do I think this is going to be lifted? Probably. I I don't. I think that – Probably. There are exceptions for higher people in society, folks. That's that's the reality of it. Um, if we had a vaccine mandate on the podcast and one of us wasn't vaccinated and that was the case, it wouldn't be lifted. We would have to get vaccinated. Um, sorry to yeah. podcasters out there. We're not to,
0: to be in our own home.
2: <laughs> podcast. Um, also, like it's getting ridiculous at this point, like. X amount of New York is vaccinated. Fans are unvaccinated coming into the stands. I'm not, I'm not,
0: that's the worst.
2: I'm not sitting here saying that Aaron Judge is right or wrong, but if you have these other caveats where visiting players that are unvaccinated can come play or unvaccinated fans can come in without being checked, then what the guys on the home roster who aren't vaccinated can't play. It's, it's completely backwards. It doesn't make any sense if you have. 10,000 unvaccinated fans, for example, out of, what, 40,000, 50,000 people in there, that's a considerable amount. Um, that's more harmful than Aaron Judge and two other guys on the roster not being vaccinated. Um
0: uh, and- Adams saying that, you know, he has to look out for the city's public health or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, then look out for the city's public health. Look out for my public health. Stop letting yes. unvaccinated people in a Yankee Stadium or, or Barclays Center. Like, Absolutely you, in your places yeah, you don't want the Yankees to get Even sick, more but no. you're cool if you're cool if I get sick yeah um I don't know I don't I don't understand a lot of it um but all that is to say that he did, he hasn't lifted it for Kyrie Irving yet. The Yankees yeah. aren't the Nets. the Yankees do play outdoors. perhaps we get a, a shuffle here in the coming weeks, but it's certainly a wrench that you just you're crossing your fingers going, when Aaron Judge is doing this press conference and the news leaks that as of now he's not going to be allowed to play home games, you're like, please just say you're vaccinated. Please just say you're vaccinated. Please just say you're vaccinated. And he's like, I don't think we need to cross that bridge right now. And you're like, so you're not vaccinated. Great. So let's talk about this for another week and a half. Yeah. The Red Sox don't want to give him credit, but Xander Bogarts was not vaccinated last year, is vaccinated now. Christian yes. Arroyo was not vaccinated last year, is vaccinated now. Knew they wouldn't be able to play in road series in Toronto and got vaccinated. Now, once they actually have to go to Canada and show their papers, maybe Xander Bogarts just wants you to think he's vaccinated. Maybe (laughs) maybe we'll find out some other information when the time comes. But everybody on the Red Sox who was knowingly unvaccinated, other than Chris Sale, is apparently now vaccinated. I would like a little parody here in the conversation, too. Yankees have two or three names who are part of this conversation. The Mets last year were 55% vaccinated. Talk about the Mets in this conversation half yeah. your roster can't play home games talk about the Mets in this conversation Insane. that's all I have to say about that if it's Absolutely. not a real, it's not a real rivalry and that's how we know because otherwise people would be like yelling the 55 percent number from the rooftops being like yeah. that is embarrassing yep
2: and and the tr- and the troubling aspect of that even more so is that the MLB had M- the MLB MLB had a recommended 85% vaccination threshold for every roster. The Yankees were one of the first teams to meet that, if not the actual first team to meet that. And the Mets Mm -hmm. never did it at all. And then they had, you know, Brandon Nimmo was coming out, talking, you know, being against it. His wife was posting stuff on social media about it, about being anti-vaccination. So, like, once again, spotlight on the Yankees for a handful of people who are not, I guess, in line with whatever's going on when – there was no we played we just played a full season of baseball with a pandemic with vaccinations available, and now things are things have slowly changed because of various mandates. We just watched everything happen and everything was fine with the handful of guys who weren't vaccinated. Um, and now all of a sudden it's Aaron Judge, of course. So it has to be a greater conversation. Or, you know, it's rumored to be, you know, maybe some other guys who are also big names, and that's why it's becoming an issue. Um, and if I could say one thing about the Canadian stuff, like I get not wanting to have tourists, like massively come into your country who are unvaccinated, but like seven professional baseball teams with a couple of guys who aren't vaccinated. I mean, I'm not being, I don't, I'm trying not to be polarizing here, but that seems a little bit nuts to me
0: where last year, there was an exemption of some kind there, there was an exemption of some kind last year. And then this year, now the situation is like a little bit better. That's gone. I don't know. That's yeah. I that's don't. Another yeah. one.
2: Yeah. As we get closer and closer toward you know getting to the other side of the pandemic, not having these um, variants kind of overtake society and shut things down again, seems like the clamps continue to tighten for whatever reason. And I understand you want prevention. You don't want another shutdown. You don't want the sport interrupt. You don't want a Cardinals or a Marlins outbreak where. A portion of the season is severely interrupted, and you have, to, you have to make schedule alterations that affect every other team. I understand that. Um, but I think we were, we, we've come to a point in Major League Baseball where enough people are vaccinated. Outbreaks are much less um, uh, serious, in a sense, for vaccinated people and also for the strains that are going around. The strains that are going around after the original COVID had arrived are weaker. So you're not looking at the usual, you know, two week quarantine period or the serious, serious symptoms that are laying up people for two to three weeks or you might not even be looking at long COVID anymore. So it's just confusing when you're reading all the positivity about how the vaccines have worked, how preventative measures have done a great job, how us in New York, we've reopened bars and restaurants and we've lifted the vaccine mandate and people can go enjoy themselves without having to feel uncomfortable and now we have this where two guys or three guys on a roster are unvaccinated and it can upend an entire season and ruin everybody, ruin the players' lives, ruin the fans' experience and upend the entire baseball world. So that's where I'm really confused. Um, I'm really pro, take you know be, be safe, get vac- vaccinated when you can. But like, there are people who just don't do that and there's always going to be a minority of people who don't do that. So unfortunately, we have to live with that in some capacity. And but for that, you know, that small minority to kind of throw everything off course in a major way, what this is doing just doesn't seem like it's doesn't seem
0: like we're moving in the right direction. That's just my opinion. Yeah, we gotta keep it to a minority on those folks. That is it for this edition of the Joe Rogan experience. Oh no, wait. This is the Yanks (laughs) the Yanks Go Yard podcast talking Yankee baseball. Again, we don't want to talk about this. We don't want to talk about I don't. uh, I hate it. Nobody wants to talk about this, especially Aaron Judge related, but let's let's all figure it out. But again, if, it, if we figure it out because City Hall just tweaks the rules to help out the rich, I'm not going to be like, yeah, go Randy yeah. Levine. Um, yeah. I think Aaron Judge should get vaccinated. That's my personal opinion. I guess it's his choice not to. It's also his choice to face the consequences. This feels like a ridiculous consequence. But again, if it gets lifted, I'm not going to be like, wait, a politic, Randy. Uh, I just refuse to have an opinion on any aspect of these things. Other than like, it'd be pretty easy to get the vaccine. That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I am Adam Weinerb alongside Thomas Carinante. We have been live on YouTube. It's 1 o'clock today, but usually 2 o'clock Eastern on Mondays and Thursdays. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a say, five-star review. Mailbag question in that review. More than happy to answer that review. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam Weinerb. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerb, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you?
2: Yes. At Tommy's underscore takes Uh, no vaccine takes there for you. Um, I'm going to keep it light. Uh, I want everybody to be on the same page and have a fun time and not have to, you know, have their fingers, uh, have other fingers pointed at them. That's really all I'm trying to get at here. Um, Anyway, head on over to yanksyryard.com plenty of content after this wild week, a lot of long articles, um, a lot of speculation, a lot of connecting the dots here um, and still, still, Roster spots to fill. Supposedly Yankees are talking to the A's about some of their guys in the rotation. Maybe we're looking at another addition there. Um, Talk to us on the Yanks Go Yard official Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, It's a really good place for everybody. Um, And hopefully we're looking at some moves this weekend, a little bit more move. maybe daytime movement instead of late night movement. Maybe we can get this time. How about that? Um, Yeah, it'd be great to just like not have to – Um, let everybody know what's happening at midnight on a random weeknight. Um, But yeah, folks, next time we'll talk to you Monday, 2 um, p.m. Live on YouTube, right here, having a great time. We want you in the chat. We want you on Twitter. Um, Maybe we'll do some polls next time, get some live votes, see what's going on. I don't know, right? That can engage people. Um, Yeah, but have a good weekend, guys. St. Paddy's Day weekend. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to a bachelor party, North Carolina. Uh, leaving in a few hours here, um, and I'll be thinking of all of you, and hoping the Yankees make some upgrades.
0: Happy March Madness too. Who's your pick? Wh- who's in? Uh, who's in your championship game? Oh man, Duke and Wisconsin. All right, So Gross. Revenge. <laughs> revenge match for uh, Wisco, who should have won the national title seven years ago. Seven years ago. Jeez. Uh, no, that might have been six years ago. Nope, that was seven years ago. Disgusting. Um, I've I've got a Arizona, Kentucky, Arizona. Uh, like sound that. off in the comments if you don't like that. Uh, find me on Twitter. I'm here. I'll be here all day. I'm about to watch Michigan. Apparently that game's closed now. We'll see you on Monday.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.